Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Hey everyone, welcome to Last Drinks. Jeez, we are sailing through this year. Um, I have such a cool guest on the podcast today. But before I tell you about my guest, I just wanted to remind you guys that I have a book coming out. It's actually going to be released on June 28. It is called Last Drinks, How to Drink Less and Be Your Best by me, Maz Compton. And if you're sober curious, if you're newly sober, or if you're a massive booze hound, but you want to stop drinking and you're not really sure how to do that, uh, this book will equip you to be able to do that and it's been a real process to write an entire book but I have had such a glorious team um, through Wiley Publishing that have supported me every step of the way. So um, advanced copies are landing this week Um, and you can pre-order by going to mazcompton.com. Just click on the old book link up there. So do that. And continue to let me know what you think about this podcast. And if you're, if there's a topic that you want me to cover, let me know. If there's a person that you want me to chat to, let me know. Um, I'm here for you guys. You know, I um, I love doing this podcast. It is, it's such a passion project, and I just love hearing from you guys and how. Um, the conversations are resonating and landing for you and um you know what would be so helpful for me is if you could leave a review on apple podcasts for this podcast if you love it um that kind of just helps the whole process of podcasting to have some you know really positive reviews and you you can subscribe as well so that you don't miss an episode but episodes are released every sunday with that said uh today my guest on the podcast is a gentleman who I used to work with at MTV. Now, if you guys have heard my sobriety story, you will be very aware that MTV um back in the day in the early 2000s was the place to be. It was the pop culture headquarters. It was the cool kids club and I was very much at the epicenter of it. And I used to work with a guy called Anthony Yee. Ant was a producer. Ant was lovely. We did some great, fun, funny shoots together. We traveled. We um, worked on live shows. We worked on pre-recorded shows. Um, He used to produce some of the MTV news segments that I used to host. So we did a whole bunch of stuff together. And I only recently uh, was made aware of the fact that Ant doesn't drink. 
and didn't drink that entire time that I was at MTV 20 years ago, which is so interesting because I feel like Ant was always at the party and I didn't know that he didn't drink. I kind of just assumed that he did because everyone did. So I am um, thrilled to be reconnected to uh, somebody who I have a huge admiration for. Um, his work ethic is so solid and we haven't caught up for a really long time. So this will be a trip down memory lane. I'm sure some hilarious stories from MTV will uh, surface. So stand by for that. So enjoy last drinks with my former producer, Anthony Heaney. Yeah, what a what a fun way, what a great little reunion this is. I know, this is insane. I was just trying to remember when I first met you, actually. It was, it was around about 2002, three. Well, okay, so I got my job on MTV in 2004, and you right. were already there then. Yes, I'd been there for four years at that oh, point. Oh, shivers, yeah, because you were there, like, yeah, from the super, super early days, hey. Yeah, yeah, that's like second gen or something like that. I was there before Jason Dundas. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, oh my god! Um, <laughs> so, Ant, we just to you know introduce you to people of listening to the podcast. Ant Yee and I used to work together at MTV. Ant, you were a producer. I was a VJ. Uh-huh. Uh, we had many, many uh, shared fun times together, both on camera and off camera. Um, oh, no. And you know, one thing that I didn't know about you, Ant, is that you didn't drink. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just weird because I kind of thought that was my thing because I was like the only guy in MTV that didn't drink. So I thought everybody kind of knew that. I, I, like, yeah. I honestly <laughs> did not know that. And I think okay. maybe I just assumed everyone, you know, back in the day and the, the heyday of MTV, I just feel like. It was so fast and loose for me that maybe I just assumed that if you were at the bar, you were necking beers like everybody else. Going hard. But you, yeah. have you ever drunk alcohol? Yeah, I did. I did the, the class. I turned 21. I was at uni. I thought, oh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought I'd give this a go. And I remember getting very sick very quickly. Um, my dad tells a story that he came home because I was at university at that point. He came home and he found my bag, my shoes, my pants my shirt leading all the way to my bedroom yeah because i was just was like oh, take my clothes off found me in bed it was like two in the afternoon and he was like what's wrong with you and i was like i had champagne and he went oh okay and um and it just became one of those things where i didn't uh just didn't really feel the need to drink and then when i thought okay look, like a few years later I'm, this is getting ridiculous i should drink stray or not every time i did i got really sick really sick so i was yeah so it wasn't just a one-off thing so um i remember you saying actually too what you said about people assuming I drank. I remember one of the first big parties I went to at MTV. I went up. Uh, I, was, I went to get a drink at the bar. This promo producer comes along, slaps me on the back, and says to the bartender, "Hey, he and I are huge alcoholics. So just give us like the, the automatic default was like, I drink." And I had to sort of he's going to this rant of like, "Give us this, give us that," and I'm like, ah, two seconds. I actually don't drink." And the the look on his face is he went, "Ah, oh. I can't because I, I kind of stopped his flow yeah. <laughs> a little bit." And so it was that thing. So um, I, I remember one MTV party. I tried to give it a go. And then I went to a party. And remember Simon Day? Simon Day, the lead singer of Rat Cat? Yeah. He, he was our head graphic artist for a little while. Yeah. So I went with him to this party and I thought, I might try something. And then somebody gave me, here's some orange juice. And this is 
again, because sometimes I drink, I don't have drinking culture in me. I was like, oh, that's orange juice. It wasn't orange juice. But I took about two of them to figure out it wasn't because Simon said, you're really bright red. And like, I was like, oh, how red? I went straight to the bathroom and I was like a tomato. And that's that's when it clicked. I had the, I had the it took a while to figure it out. But I had that Asian gene like, where some Asians just get really red faced. They can't process alcohol. So is that, that is that an allergy? Like, is it classified as an allergy to alcohol? Like, what is that manifesting in your body when you drink alcohol? Because a lot of people, I will say, and a lot of people give it a nudge at twenty one and are horrendously stick, sick, and then still give it a really good nudge for another twenty years. So yeah. that part of the story, I I think some people just push through that. But for you, mm. it was like a physical reaction where you were like, I actually yeah. can't handle this substance in my body. Yeah, it's a physiological reaction. I get I get throbbing headaches, throbbing headaches, and I just kind of but but I was because I'm being a young man who was single, I was very conscious. Like I look like a tomato, <laughs> but um, it it, it, it it's it is a, apparently a, I'm going to misquote something here, but it is a it is an Asian thing where there's a certain embolism uh, enzyme that you can't digest because it's wheat alcohol wasn't present in a lot of Chinese culture and whatever. Wow. And some some Asians just can't process it. But here's the thing, my dad and my brother can. My brother can neck beers, he's fine. Right. Uh, my dad can do it too. I, it skipped me for some reason. But I've met other Asians who go, oh, yeah, I get that too, and they don't care. Mm-hmm. They just get red faced. They think it's because they don't get the headaches. Right. So I got the worst. They, they just, oh, I get red faced, which isn't having fun, that's fine. But I got, I got, and the older I got, the more the headaches got worse. Yeah. So after like three or four of these, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm just getting out to get, to look weird, freaking people out and not feeling well. Mm. Don't need to do it. Not worth so it. So it became my thing. But um, it was, uh, the yeah, yeah, the weird thing was, uh, it, it, and I'm sure you're discovering this too, in Australian culture, that's your default setting is you drink unless you tell people you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and my other big thing at that time, I was a big grade cricket. I played a lot of grade cricket in Sydney. What is one of the biggest sports in, in Australia where there's a big drinking culture yeah. is cricket. Um, so, but it was weird. It was during that time, those are my two things in my life was MTV and cricket and how they both reacted to me being a non-drinker was really interesting looking back. Um, well, yeah. Can you talk yeah, me I, through that? Can you, you know, what was the general feedback when people were just, you know, when it was brought to their attention that you don't drink alcohol, did, were people really curious as to why did they assume that it was because it had become problematic for you? Do you know... The the default is always why, why don't you? So it's a bit like, and and, and this, it is sort of it, it comes from the assumption of like like you know, gluten free people like there's a little when it first came out people were like, oh you're choosing not to eat gluten mm. as opposed to I can't yeah so it's, it's it's a little bit like I get a lot of why don't you and I'm like well I, I, I can't and I I, I, I I my default thing is I'm physically allergic mm-hmm. and some people find it really hard to process. And they still follow up with, yeah, but why don't you? So um, that generally tends to be it. The initial assumption is like, I'm a wowser. I don't, I don't drink. And therefore, I judge you for it. Mm. Was it the default for a lot of people? Not a lot. But I've, the, most of them came from the MTV side, i got to say. Oh, that doesn't so, surprise some, me because, yeah, look, I, yeah. was, I was in that rat pack and I mm. gave it my very best nudge for the duration of my career at MTV. And, and again, and I've said this so many times that 
I do not blame the industry for what ended up being alcohol dependence for me mm. at all because it was always my choice and I take full responsibility and accountability for my relationship with alcohol. But I, it also was so given that you do drink that it, yeah. it's like we used to joke around that the pay was terrible but at least you got free booze and invites to secret parties. <laughs> You know, it was, and it's true, right? The pain yeah, yeah, was yeah. shocking, but it's like, <laughs> but you know, um, it's like, but you can come to this Kelly Rowland party at Shush Bar <laughs> that no one's invited to and have bottles of Gerb with the, you know, the big wigs of the record labels or whatever. So it was so, it was such a currency and, and I didn't see it uh, for what it really was at that time and the impact it was having in me. I just went along with things. So what my question for you, Ant, is so you were in the Mm. same industry at the same company, in the same circles, in the same rooms, and you weren't drinking alcohol. But I feel like you were always there. (laughs) I don't remember going, (laughs) where I don't remember going, where's Ant gone? Like he's bailed. I feel like you were just you were there at the parties as well. And I'm assuming having a good time. Yeah, I did it was um when it first happened, I the, my second week uh, at MTV, it was my first week, they were like, <coughs> do you want to come to this new uh, dance actor called Madison Avenue? Would you like to come and see them at Gaslight? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds really cool. This is on a Wednesday night. I rock up. I'm in there, and the Madison Avenue is going. And the DJ, because I just interviewed him the day before, he walks up to me in front of my friends going, hey, Anthony, how you doing? My friends are going, oh, wow. I'm like, what the hell? And I remember, do you remember Natalie Michaels? Yes, uh, yes. She, yeah, she was on. Yeah, she she didn't drink either. She, uh, I since found out. Oh my god! But at the time, I didn't know her that, that well. And then she comes up to me, and it's dark, and she gives me. <laughs> she goes, "Do you want one of these?" And I see these white tablets in tin foil, and I was like, "Ah, this must be the drugs mother told me about." Oh my it was, god! It was it was chewing gum, but because that was my first MTV party, <laughs> I thought I thought just. <laughs> So I, I go, oh, no, I'm cool. I'm like, oh, it's here. That's Wednesday. I oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> so you're like, oh, these are the drugs that everyone's taking. Yeah, and yes. she's like, no, mate, it's just some juicy fruit. Calm it's down. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so my default was always like, I'll, I'll be there until I'll, I'll sail close to the sun as, I, as long as I can. As soon as I am, I'll pull out. So anyway, yeah, so I remember that. And then I just found out Nat was the same thing. Nat said, no, I don't drink. But I'm mean, sure she was rich and beautiful, so it's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. With, with me, I was like, I don't drink, and I get why. Yeah, that's um, interesting too, right? Yeah, that's super I, interesting. it is. I was, I must admit, I I would just go for the fun of it, but I I found out after a while when it became a thing with some of the other people who worked there, I found for some, not all of them, it was a case of like, oh, okay, he's seen us at Amazon Vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But this is my assumption. Because their behaviour would be towards me would change when I found out I didn't drink. Yeah. And I found out, and the only thing I could assume was like, okay, he's seen us as the most vulnerable. I can't trust that. I won't talk to this guy. So towards the end, mm. I did find, um, there was a couple of things going on in TV as to why it was my time was over. But I, do you remember we had a, a big retreat? Mate, um, I remember all of the retreats. Which one? So, yeah. Was it the one where Amber vomited in her handbag on the bus? Was it that one? <laughs> Well, I, I was at a beach somewhere. I remember there was a beach volleyball. I don't know. Anyway, all I remember is I, see, I saw people making out at one point that were 
not only not together, but their sexual orientation was it was it was, a, it was wild. One of the parties was like really wild. Okay. And I, I and I'm just sitting there going, I and I just remember being really disconnected to all of it. I was just like, all the guys that I had started working there with had moved on. Mm-hmm. I felt I was like a decade or half a decade older than most people around there. Right. They were getting blasted. I I it did feel like I had, there was a disconnect. Uh, and and some that came and I felt in bad at my worst. I felt I was being judged mm-hmm. for it. Like they couldn't people couldn't trust me, therefore they couldn't let loose around me. Um but yeah, up until that point I had yeah, it was all it was all fine. I, I, I remember um I remember one party on a boat. Remember we did the boat? We did the we did the boat every three months. Yeah, was, it was it the like pontoon for TRL? Yeah, no, no, no. It was, it, was, it was just before that happened. They actually hired a ferry and they decided they're going to have a ferry boat party every three months sure. on the harbour. Sounds like something lasted, MPB would do. That we do, would do, do. And I remember I, I found myself cornered with David Campbell and Sister to Sister. And and I was like, oh. And I, I just sat there going, well, they don't want to talk to me. And, but they, they started talking to me because they realised they didn't know anybody either. Mm. And that was really lovely. So I remember that energy, that side of it was fine. But when people get plastered, I, I used to get really quiet, which is towards the end of the night, I'd get really quiet and and that was that. But some people would remember that I was sober mm-hmm. and they thought, what did I do? Yeah. I can't really. And, I, and there was a lesson learned for me too because I, I, being the immature clown that I was, I'd go up to someone and go, hey, man, just last night you did this and you did that. Sometimes I would embellish. And then mm-hmm. because I did that, people would go, oh, I can't trust him. So I've learned now not to do that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it is one of those things of like, well, hey, man, like, you chose to drink, I chose not to. It's cool. I'm not, you know, I don't judge anybody for what they do. Yeah. But, and again, on the flip side of that, when I said I was playing grade cricket at the time, the thing about cricket is that your currency in a cricket team or any sporting team is how well you play. And I was, I was a decent player in my team. That was my currency. So whenever we go to drinks afterwards, somebody would say, who's ordered the lolly water, which is me. Right. I'd go, it's me, I'm, I'm having a cake. But because I could play, they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. It's cool. So it you fine. had cred, yeah. like a level of credibility because you were great at what you were doing on the field, which gave yeah. you a bit of a break at the bar. It it does, it does, yeah. yeah. It does, and does, and that's with any sporting team. You could be annoying as all hell, but if you can play. But if you're not contributing, it starts to, you, yeah, you've got to bring mm-hmm. something else to the table. So you could be the fun guy afterwards, after hours, whatever. But if you're not that either, then you're in trouble. It's but, um, um, it's really interesting yeah. hearing you talk, Ant, because we've never really debriefed on time after MTV. And it's well, interesting because I, even though I didn't stop drinking until I was 35, uh, 35 34, 35. Mm. Um, so last year. Ah, uh, lol, eight years ago. Um, I, I remember making the decision to leave MTV and it was really hard because I loved, it was my dream job. It was, it was the job that every kid I ever spoke to wanted and I got. Did you write it in a diary? Yeah. 15 years old, wrote it in my diary. I want to host TRL. That was my first gig. (coughs) Yeah. So it's crazy, right? But I outgrew the brand and I I felt like, and it was so hard because the company was going in a really, really big different direction to 
the music part, which I loved and I connected with. Yes. It was heading into reality TV and the hills and yeah. that next iteration of the MTV generation was coming up and I felt yeah. like I was like I was nearly 30 and I'm like, yeah. am I still able to be on a youth-branded, you know, pop culture TV network if I'm heading into my 30s? And it just felt like... I loved how you used the word disconnect because I felt like I had disconnected from my dream. Right, be, and it was yeah. huge because I was like, we all encourage people to like write down your goals and go for it and like fake it till you make it and then you make it. And nobody tells you what happens after you make it. You Nobody tells you what you do. You make it. And then what yeah. happens is you don't die. <laughs> Yeah, that's, you, that's the thing. you don't end up being 85 and on MTV. You end yeah. up having a full identity crisis. Yeah. And and it was a real struggle for me because I didn't want to let the dream go. I didn't want to move on, but I just felt like I if I am being really really honest with myself, I don't feel like I'm being authentic here anymore and I yeah. need to go and maybe do another thing. And that's when I sort of pivoted over to radio and I kind of started my on-air radio career as I hung up the microphone on MTV. I picked up the headphones for radio, which is a great decision, but it was a really, it was hard and, again, reinforced with all of that identity stuff then for me yeah. was still not understanding who I was and what I wanted after I got this amazing dream job. And so then I probably started to escalate my drinking because I didn't know right. who I was right. without my job on MTV, right? Yeah. So for me, the story is so layered and complex in like on paper, you're like, oh, cool. Like you wrote down your job, you got your dream job. And then you'd like hopped over to radio and la-di-da. And I'm like, no, oh. no, 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 no. Like, I remember bawling my eyes out after my farewell and just being so sad because I'm like, my dream is over, yeah. but what do I do now? And so not having a sense of self at the time, which I can look back and go, okay, that's what was happening for me, not having that sense of self um, was really, really, really challenging. And I just... When you said the word disconnect, when your time, you know when your time's coming to an yeah, end and it's hard to say goodbye and it's hard to let go. Um, and I can't imagine how you did that sober. But I think you as a sober person for so long probably got really good at just like processing your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, again, this is all this thing like, I don't know, this is a really, really, really stupid thing. I don't know. I, when I quit MTV, we just got the offices at, at, at uh, King's Cross. In New York so Street. Like Kings... Yeah, in New York Street. And so we did the, I remember we did the tour there. I had a desk with my name plaque and everything. I never sat at the desk because I quit like a week later. But it was at the, it was at the, we had the drinks on the roof. And again, it was that thing of like, I got nobody to really loosen up and talk to here. Again, the disconnect was really in, in the top gear at this point. But I remember at one point, somebody was passing around the champagne and Nathan Sapsford. Sapper, because I love love Nathan. He's he's acting. You see, every time he pops up on an American TV show, you're yeah. like, oh my god, he can he can act. Wait, that, that, awesome. that, and that was why he left because he went to yeah, pursue yeah. his dream yeah. of being an actor Absolutely. in LA. You know, exactly. Yeah, and he's really good. 
But anyway, but I remember at one point he grabbed a bottle of champagne and he started pouring it, but he poured it with um sort of because champagne has the little indent at the bottom. And he and he stuck his thumb in there and he poured it yeah, like a waiter. Like a waiter. He, had, he had weight because he had waiting experience. Yeah. But I looked up thinking, why is he doing it like way? But apparently that's the way you do it so you don't hold the bottle so it doesn't and I'm like, I know so little about drinking culture, <laughs> which is culture. I was just fascinated as to why he's pouring that way. Um, <laughs> but again, so, so so when you say something like processing your feelings, and like, well, yeah, you you, you process any feelings sober because I don't know any other state yeah. of being. So yeah, I, I don't know all the good and all the bad that comes with drinking. But it, it is a it is a it is. I wrote a skit. I'm a part of a comedy group, and I wrote a skit because I, I all drink, right? They're not alcoholics, but they all. And I tried to write a skit that tried to get across my point of view as to why I don't drink. And I couldn't quite nail it, but I wrote it like, do you remember whenever you, somebody's at, in the office, if you do something really nice for somebody, as a thank you, they'll give you a bottle of wine. Always. Always. That's a default gift. Yeah. I've had so many bottles of wine, so I've had to go, do you want this? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I thought, let's do a skit where somebody gives you a rock. <laughs> and, that's, and that's oh thank you like it's it's like yeah it's a rock like you, you like rocks right like i couldn't and when i pitched the idea that is the quite funny <laughs> i thought it was funny i got so many blank stairs well no table. one who's drinking understands how awkward yes. it is when and yeah. I, you know so at at my company now um we very rec- up until quite recently we had a local general manager um and she knows my sobriety story. And so um, our show was nominated for a radio award and everyone in the team got a bottle of uh, wine or champagne as a congratulations for being nominated. And she gave me a box of chocolates because she, and that is a good GM because she, and it's not that it's triggering for me, Mm. but she just, I just loved that about, I was like, oh, Potsy, that was so thoughtful that you know mm. that I'm not going to drink a bottle of wine or I'm not going to indulge in that, but you managed to like find something that works for me. But as a sober person, when you, I've been gifted that much verb, I should have shares in the freaking company. But for the last <laughs> eight years, I've just been almost stockpiling it because I'm like, I don't know what to do with all of these bottles of champagne because I'm not going to drink them. And then I feel weird as a sober person giving alcohol to someone else. So it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. it's a little bit of a conundrum. So the rock thing is actually very funny to me. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was funny. It was like, you got a rock? You got a rock? Yeah, I got two rocks. And I was like, yeah. It's, oh, oh, it's a, oh I, I prefer black, not white. Thank you. But um, anyway, like I said, it got, I mean, it wasn't the first time we just got blank stairs. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> but I, thought, I thought it was funny. But again, it's that, it's that, I was trying to get across that it's a big part of life. It is particularly in this country, that you just are not, you're colorblind too. Yeah. So, um, um. Jeez, that's a really, and that's a really, really profound way of explaining it. You're colorblind to it because, Mm. yeah, um, the sobriety is like the lens that lets you see the whole picture, right? That's, Mm. yeah, geez, that's very profound. I've never thought of it like that, but that does, it's a very articulate way of explaining the difference between you know when you when you become sober you do have a different lens on life you can see clearer pictures um mm. much like you do if you were cured of color blindness <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i guess too and i think we'll say too for you 
uh, MTV was the only job I've ever quit. So the and it was heartbreaking, but mm. I, my time was over. And it was the only job I ever quit without knowing what I was going to do tomorrow. Yeah. Huge, huge coincidence. Um, Natalie Michael's dad called me up the very next day saying, I need somebody. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and it, kind of, it kind of worked out. You landed on your feet. And I think, too, that's a true testament as to honouring, like, your the authenticity of that choice, and is really big to go, this is my cool, shiny producer job at MTV that, you know, I love having and sounds sick and is so fun, mm. but I'm so disconnected from it. I need to honour my truth. And I'm not suggesting that anybody just like, don't just go and quit your job and be irresponsible. I'm just saying when you honour your truth, the universe has a way of showing up at some point and writing it. Um, mm. And that's what ha that's your story. I've, I've, you know, followed along and I've seen your journey and you go from strength to strength when you make choices out of that place. And I think as a sober person, you're more connected to your true authentic self. And it's harder to deny because you're so centered and grounded and you are so in tune with yourself. Right. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I don't because I'm, yeah, I didn't think about that because I guess the thing with alcohol, you can get lost in another state. Yeah. And, and it's such a great way of avoiding reality and pain and trauma and drama. Yeah. And it's such a great avoidance tool. And I think when you, when you stop using alcohol, you can start showing up for yourself and, and doing the work. And asking yourself those questions like, is it okay for me to turn up to an environment that I'm disconnected from and that I feel isolated in? And probably no, you know. And then yeah. so then it gives you the opportunity to go and explore what's on the other side of that. And it's scary, but it it seems to work out. Yeah, hundred percent. I I mean, like I said, I mean, and I didn't. To you, I heard your story because I do. I do remember a lot of your identity was wrapped up in MTV because you literally did the one thing that nobody does, which is achieve your goal letter for letter, right? Yeah. And for you to turn your back on that, I didn't really consider that. Because I went, cause I left and I just, as everybody does, they drift away or they, they go. But, um, yeah, I didn't think about that. I mean, that was a really courageous thing for you to do. Yeah, and thanks. To... It was It was so, yeah, I. it was so big. And I, I, I haven't really talked about it, you know, lately. But it was really oh. painful and because I felt like I'd failed somehow. Oh. I thought, oh. well, I got this amazing dream and then it kind of didn't work out and so that's on me, you know, and then you, and that's the self-critic oh. in me that, you know, it, it's taking me, it's still a work in process, but I'm I'm better at that. Yeah, I'm better at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it really was a huge, huge deal to get the job and it was a huge, huge deal to hand in my resignation letter to Rebecca Baddies. And yeah. I just remember feeling so ripped off. I'm like, this was not like I wrote down the dream, but then oh. <laughs> you got to live it, yeah. you know. Like, <laughs> so then I wrote yeah. down another dream. That's what I did, and I well, flipped and manifested that too. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, which I mean, again, that, that shows you're not a fluke, right? So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's that's incredible. Like seriously, because I, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean, MTV was. For me, creatively, was the best. I mean, it was one of those things where I, was like, I could have done with a day off, mm -hmm. but I went, I went straight to the next show, went one hundred percent on that. Then Foxtel came calling, and my my life, my twelve years of Foxtel, my journey through Foxtel to where I was and to what I am towards the end, mm -hmm. um, and what I am now because I've gone from long form to short form to animation, which is what I'm doing now. But um, 
it, it is yeah i guess you have to you do it when you're awake all the time all the decisions and all the all the bad moments but it, it is again it's that thing I, i've had an ex-partner who used to get uh when she when she got drunk she could get a bit nasty mm-hmm. um and, and and but it is that state of sliding state of you can see them doing it and sometimes they're okay like two drinks three drinks is fine sometimes two drinks is five or six depending on their physical state mm. you can't pick it by the time you say something mm. it's too late yeah because they're on the defensive no matter nothing you can't say that puts them on the defensive and then it spirals and so that's probably for me of the whole package of being a non-drinker in a drinking world that's the hardest when you are with somebody that you care about and you're close with um and they weren't like a nasty alcoholic by any that sorry about that they, that weren't a nasty alcoholic by any means but it, it, it's an aspect of when you're drunk you can get happy when you're drunk you get wild when you're drunk you can get truthful mm-hmm. um and and shit comes out right mm-hmm. um and it's triggering for you so you trigger them and it spirals down so um that's probably i used to resent being a non-drinker in a drinking world for a variety of reasons but that's probably the worst one um um yeah and so and then yeah but mostly it was the whole and the thing is when you get older too you you don't care as much no you definitely <laughs> don't like we did we weren't going to have this conversation 20 years ago right but no. it, it's so it's interesting because and you use the word resentment which i think is quite key in your story Ant, because you don't you it's almost like you didn't get the choice to be sober you are yeah. you are sober because you have an allergy to alcohol and it doesn't mm. get processed in your body so it does not work for you at all mm. and yeah. whereas i have made i'm so empowered by my choice to be sober and i can see yeah. how you would wrestle with those feelings of well this got this decision got made for me because of my chemical yeah. or my biochemistry you know yeah, and then yeah. if that's imploding in your relationship that's really hard and like yeah. my husband's sober and and he wasn't a big drinker at all um but 10 months into my sobriety he was like well this is boring for me if you're not gonna <laughs> he's like i don't want to have a glass of wine by myself by the fire do i <laughs> so he stopped drinking which was a no it was so easy for him but I can't imagine being in a relationship with somebody who does drink because it's just so not a part of my world now. And to have somebody um, in my life in a rela- in a romantic relationship doing those behaviours, that would be so challenging. And not to say that people can't make it work. Um, yeah, 100%. But it, it 100%. would be, and knowing what I know about alcohol, how year on year our tolerance goes up, we need more and more and more that's year on year in your relationship, that's going to create more and more resentment. You know, it, it, I can imagine that that would have been so tricky to navigate. It's, it, it is tough because it is, because all relationships is all about compromise and particularly when an issue comes up, it's compromise. And for what I do, I can't like, oh, I can drink a little bit. Mm. I, I, I'm still at the default of like, I can't. So yeah. you've got to make a choice. My wife now, I mean, she's brilliant. She's English. Of course, obviously she likes to drink, right? And when she first moved out here, that was her top of her year glass of rosy whatever and god bless her to her credit she 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 made a conscious effort okay look ants it's becoming an issue i'm gonna stop and she hasn't really drunk for a long time to be honest but that used to be her glass of something at the end of the night yeah 
if not every night, then maybe two or three nights. Now she's just like, yeah, give us a Coke Zero. Yeah, great. Um, God bless her. And um, and then and then there's one of the things I do appreciate as much as I don't understand it, I don't get it. I also appreciate it mm. that it's 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 a thing, right? So, um, but it, it is, yeah, it, it is one of those things. Like, I think like something like divorce isn't normalized enough. I don't think I don't, I don't think people openly talk about marriage, the concept of marriage, and what it is, mm. and relationships and monogamy and things like that. And I think. Alcohol is a tough thing to talk about as well. Yeah, it um, really is because, yeah. and like we we were circling around it at a, a company um, where it was so um, present and normalised and so it's right. really hard to manage uh, your relationship with an addictive substance when it is just pushed in your face all the time. And what I'm hoping these conversations will have, and this is not a like point the finger and blame MTV at all. I, mm. I, I am so grateful for every day I had at that company and the friendships that I made and the experiences that I had. Like, it was it was a dream for me. It really, really, really was. But what I'm hoping these conversations will ignite is a conversation about cultivating a culture that isn't immersed in alcohol consumption. And yeah. and I think the company's taking responsibility for self-development and self-awareness to go, hey, guys, we can all engage and interact and we don't actually need to drink um, because yeah. if we're all showing up as our whole present authentic selves, we're going to do better work, we're going to be better to each other, there's going to be less issues going to HR, there's going to be less sexual assault in the workplace, there's going to be, you know what I mean, less humiliation, less, like it's going to eradicate so many problems that that happen when alcohol is infused into the company culture. And so that's, I just hope that a CEO or an HR person or someone Who's you know at the at the head in that leadership senior leadership team is going to hear this conversation and go oh my god like let's let's cultivate that next generation then let let's let the next generation be the one of sobriety and self awareness like that yeah. that is such a huge goal and and one of the intentions behind these conversations it's not to to finger point and go well you know like that was bullshit it's to go well hey that was my experience. And I want a better experience for the next person. Yeah. I, you know what? And I think when I started on television, I, I, I did the classic thing of like, ah, I don't smoke either. Big shock. <laughs> You're I, such I, a I, badass. I, the opposite I'm of a so, badass. <laughs> look, I hunt people down on the weekends and kill them for sport. <laughs> but apart from that, no, um, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I remember in television, I, I noticed this thing and friends made a skit about it or, or made a point, a storyline about it. But I remember the scene of like, in the office, and this is back in the 90s, late 90s, Channel 7 was my first job, to see the boss of the department go, I'm going out for smoke, he's coming with me. And these people go out for a cigarette. Come back, this is what we're doing. You're like, we're doing what now? You'd be cut right out of the loop. And there's a whole, there's yeah. been skits made about that, but smokers who smoke, and that's why they make the... But now, who smokes? No one. Well, I know no people one. do, yeah. but it's it, the, it's not so easy to annoying. smoke now. You can't just go and have a durry it's in an so alleyway. You yeah. can't light up at a restaurant, you know, at a table at a restaurant yeah. like we did in Italy, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, no. It's so, but it yeah. is that thing. If somebody does light up, you will make a note of it and go, oh, was I remember growing up as a kid in the 80s? Like if you look at 
Aliens, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, it's set 200 years in the future. Everybody's smoking. Yeah, I know. They got that wrong. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. So it's much as you think it'll never happen. It, it has happened in certain things. Like smoking is just... It's just yeah. It's just a, it's, somebody, it's more like your default setting now. And people's like, "Oh, you smoke." Yes. You, oh, you don't and smoke. I think that's where this mm. whole sober curiosity movement is heading. At I really think that mm. like the tobacco companies had to come into reform. They just did. Mm. And then when yeah. you know when they start labeling packaging saying this causes cancer, this causes heart disease, and all of the terrible things that smoking does to the human body. Um, people are made aware of those things. It makes it a bit easier to not invent, and they make them so bloody expensive too, right? So yeah. I think that's how that stigma has turned around. I think alcohol is the next company, the next industry that is going to yeah. have to come into reform because what we know about cigarettes is that it uh, nicotine is a carcinogen, right? It causes cancer mm. in the body. Doesn't mean if you smoke you're going to get cancer, but if you smoke you're going to increase your risk and susceptibility to different types of cancers. Alcohol is does the exact same thing in the body. It is yeah. a known carcinogen. It's been proven by the World Health Organization. It is a cancer-causing substance, which means when we ingest it, we automatically increase our risk of certain types of cancers. Now, where's the labeling on the packaging? Yeah. Where, like, where are all the warnings at the front of the bottle shop before you walk in to say, hey, just so you know, consumer, with your hard-earned money, if you buy this bottle of, of liquid it's, and you consume it, you are increasing your risk of getting cancer. I think that is where it's shifting. And I think if it happened with tobacco and big tobacco, I think it will happen with alcohol and big alcohol eventually yeah. over time we're not there yet but uh, you know it's mm -hmm. there's no secret about the damaging effects of alcohol on our body and our brain chemistry and collectively it causes more death than any other thing in the world pretty much like yeah. it's pretty chaotic so at yeah. some point i think it will get there but also you know we can't just wait for them to change it i think you and i having this conversation um, and with the people that we know who will want to listen to this engagement of conversation yeah. will go, oh, my God, like I, I learned something that's really interesting. Maybe I should go and talk to my boss about making Friday night drinks something else, you know, and we could yeah, start yeah, yeah, it yeah. at that really grassroots, um, like really, you know, um, cellular level i think it is it yeah. when i said grassroots then i wanted to say the word gorilla and then i remember do you remember the skit we did gorilla aerobics with nason sapsford oh. <laughs> i do so we was this your idea or was this chad no was it chad chad claire or gavin the, of that, of, someone or gavin somebody came up with the idea of doing gorilla aerobics where i think it was me and jason would go and yeah. do aerobics, like as a yes. gorilla, like right. gorilla sports. Circular key. So we went to Circular Key and we just yeah. put down yeah. a boombox and started doing aerobics together. And then Nathan, <laughs> Nathan Sapsford came running into the middle of it dressed as a gorilla in the middle <laughs> of Circular Key. That gorilla costume got a big workout because I remember Nathan wearing that on the ski slopes at Perisher Valley. Um, yeah. MTV Dome, and he, snow, skip. Uh, yeah. snow Cave. Snow Cave. 
and he was running across Front Valley and just collided, like KO'd with a skier and just took out this like eight-year-old skier in a gorilla costume. And the footage, I think I watched it on repeat 40,000 times. Where was Instagram in 2005? Like that would have oh gone God. viral for sure. <laughs> I remember I remember beatboxing was a thing. <laughs> And then, and then I, I lent you my cricket bat and you went out and smashed a bunch of boxes on camera. Yes. <laughs> Beatboxing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We did so, didn't we just do some crazy things? I did a segment with, this would have been with Gavin when Pimp My Ride came out and we did yeah. Pimp My Toilet. <laughs> and I, I went and, like, decked out one of the toilets at, like, the old global television studios where we used to film TRL as, like, a I whole skit. This. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. What a time. It was, it was a cool time. I mean, Jason would be up for anything. I know. I, I remember, like, MTV, we were doing um, Beach House. Yes. Beach House. Yeah, we stayed in a beach in Byron Bay that we we're going to give away. A beach we're house staying in, in a million dollar beach house that we yeah. gave away and yeah. was it the hill the floorboard. was it the hilltops hood hilltop hoods performed yes to like five people. Um and and then and and, and the, the floors weren't finished so they're nails sticking floorboards. But I remember that but I I remember the MTV beach house we go to the beach and we're like okay we need vox pops Jason grab people and he'd go away he Always come back with like ten really good looking girls. Oh, uh, always, <laughs> always. And like, okay, this is good, Jason. But we need some guys. He'd be like, oh, okay. He was a bandit. <laughs> he was a bandit for getting nude as well. Like, I honestly yes. have that many. Oh, hi, happy. My dog's just come to say hi. Um, yeah. I have like that many memories of just me just constantly covering my eyes and being like, Jason, put it away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this story. Uh, and there's one story you can't talk about. There's one story you said because you it was you and him. You did the surfing tour in South Africa. Yes. And and he was on a plane, and it it had been a while for him. And he he just he just openly told us, yeah, went to, uh, you might have to bleep this out, but he, and, and he just went, yeah, just went to the toilet, and I feel much more relaxed now. Yeah, he knocked one out in the bathroom. He knocked one out. Yeah, and and Jason also, and I. God, I want to have a conversation with him about this. He would also just announce that he had a travel boner. And we did a lot of traveling back in the day and he would just, just, just no, no shame. And I love that about him. But he would not just try and hide it with a jumper. He'd be like, yeah, guys, got a traveler. Sorry. <laughs> like, oh, my God. But have you, have you, when's the last time you spoke to him? Oh, I saw him at the races a, a long, long time ago and we've texted sporadically. We haven't had like a good, good catch up for a really long time. But he's talk, a top talk, bloke. Yeah. He's such a great guy. Oh, I love him. Yeah. He's, a, he's like, he is what you see is what you get. Yes. But the thing is, if you speak to, I spoke to him last year, he is, he has changed and that he's like, he's a businessman. He is. He's a he medium is, he's mogul. So, he's a medium mogul. And you speak to him that his tone is like, he's still Jason, but like, what can we do? What can we do? This is what this is what I can offer you. What, what can you offer me? Like he's in that LA mode. But I feel like he has always been a hustler, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Like when he's ambitious, he's so ambitious. When we first started working together, so he got the job. I originally auditioned for the Home Buzz job, um, and he right. got given that show. 
And then a year later, I re-auditioned with Matt Hines and Todd Phillips, and that's when I got the TRL job. And so we started working together uh, that following year, but he was, like, doing graphic design and, like, he was knocking up logos. Him and I put together a demo together because we were like, maybe we should do a radio show, and we pitched it to Nova. Like, he was just always, like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And even, like, before he moved over to Getaway, um, he was so clever and I wish I'd done this. Like he documented all of our travel. He has like hard drives full of footage and video. I have nothing from those days, but he had, he was just always like curating and collating and like, this is what I'm getting. Like, and he, I remember him saying but way before he got the getaway gig, like I want the getaway gig, you know, he was always yeah. so switched on. So he has a plan. Yeah, he, he's a man yeah. with a plan and, and good on him. But, geez, I just did get sick of hearing about his travel bonus. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Wasn't the other story I loved? He loved was it. It was you and, and the, Natasha and him were on the last leg back. You've been traveling all around the world. You're tired. And they turned around and said, hey, we have one upgrade ticket the first Oh, time. my God. And before he finished his sentence, he goes, I'll take it. He says, see you, ladies. And it's just- <laughs> yeah, and do you know what? Like, I do feel like. So we had all been, this is such an MTV story. We had all been, we flew over first class. We got, we were meant to fly business on Golf Air, who were the sponsor of the show, and then they upgraded us all. I think that's Mm. what happened. But then on the way home, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure, or one of the legs, they were like, we were in the original business class seats, and they were like, we've got seat 1A is available. And I... I, me, people pleaser, I'm not going to take it. Then Tash, our producer, bless her, I think she did the calculations and she was like, well, if I take it, that means Maz is stuck with Jason (laughs) (laughs) for the whole leg of this freaking flight. So it kind I think we had this like conversation in our heads together. And I think we all agreed it was best that Jason take that seat. But, like, and he'd never been on a plane before. That's his first ever flight. Yeah. Yeah. Gold fucking lands in his lap. Do you remember the time... Do you remember the time they're like, hey, Jason, we've got a celebrity poker match going. Do you want to play? He goes, yeah, I'll do it. He he calls me up at 10.30 at night and goes, I fucking won. Yeah. He... I don't think he'd ever played poker before. And he bet Hoppy, like, 50 grand or something... He yeah. made some outrageous bet and then he won, uh, I think, $100,000 yeah. playing poker for like the third time ever. <laughs> and then, like, I think the bet with Hoppy meant he just, like, almost, yeah, it was uh, yeah. just, oh, God, I love that kid. Some people, yeah. Just some people. Some people. Live in the sun. Some people. Oh, anyway. what a oh, ride. Oh, here's the thing. Can I say real quick, getting back, getting back on topic. But um, <laughs> the thing you're saying, all the stuff that you're talking about, all the stuff we came up with, all the fun we had, it was super fun. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, and it was, because it's like there's a perception of like MTV or you, you know, wild parties and you come up with ideas when you're fucking tripping off your balls, whatever like that. Same with sketch comedy. There's a, there's a thing that sketch, you know, because stand up comedians, some, some do really hard drugs and they come up with the best ideas. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the sketch comedy stuff that I do, we, we sit around the table and talk and yell to whatever our night completely sober because mm-hmm. that's the only way we can judge that's going to be funny if you do it that way. But um, just saying about that, like in terms of having fun, I was 18, just learned, just driving freshly with two friends of mine in the car. We drove to the Harbour Bridge toll gate. This is back in the day when you had to throw coins at yeah. the toll gate. And, and so 
I don't win my game to my friend Day, my friend Charlie, who's sitting next to me. Hey, dude, I bet you can't hook, hook the fucking coins out of the roof and get them all in, in one shot because he's American, he's a basketball, he's tall. He's, yeah, I can do that. I said, Dave, if he misses, there's a guy at the back. Dave, if he misses, here's another dollar, dollars worth of 20 cent coins. You're the backup, all right? We pull up. One, two, three, go. Chuck throws the coins over the, over the roof. Misses completely. <laughs> like, coins go everywhere. I go, oh, you fucking idiot. Dave, give us the spare coins. Dave goes, I thought you told me to throw them. <laughs> what? So he, so he threw them at the same time. We've got no money in the car now. So we're stuck. And there's a queue of cars coming behind oh us. We've been still for like a minute because we're laughing so hard. This car honks behind us. He's getting really irate. And I said, okay, Chuck, you're going to have to go to the, the toll booth next door with the guy and actually ask for change. Here's, this, here's five bucks. Not a problem. This guy getting behind us is starting to, he's going to kill us, right? He's going to, Charlie, my best friend, is five foot, six foot five. 240 pounds. He's a football, American football. Whoa. He gets out of the car. He's laughing. And the guy just goes, Sir? and shuts right up. I lost it. I could not, I was in tears. I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. And I'm, I'm just thinking at the time, oh, this must what drunk must feel like. Yeah. It's so funny. International. It's, it's laughing, so ridiculous. Dumbest fucking thing. Yeah. I, I and then the, the second thought is like, hey, and I got there by myself. Yeah, and it is possible, right? Like we, mm. we, you have some sort of hysterical laughing event before you get drunk. Even as mm. a like, I have a, a four year old kid, and he, like, I have seen him laugh so hard, I thought he was going to pass out at something so like calling me a poo poo bum head or whatever. Four year olds find funny, like, <laughs> welcome to my world. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but we have it, and it is in our natural chemistry and our natural makeup to enjoy things. And enjoy them yeah. so fully and so presently and so loudly and so yeah. unapologetically. And so you're absolutely right that um, I guess over time because of life and stress and all of the things, um, alcohol becomes that lever that you have to pull to yeah. get there. But you can yeah. undo that, you know, because I know in my, you know, world, I haven't had a drink for eight years, but I've had some of the best moments and some of the some really hectic stuff has happened too. Like I've had a really, really rough two years of just back-to-back grief, losing friends. My dad passed away. There's a lot of really big stuff that's happened, but I've managed to navigate it sober and I've managed to navigate it presently. And on the flip side of that, I've also laughed so hard that I've fallen off couches because something just cracked me up. And it's, it's, but it's, you're right. Like we do have, all these tools inbuilt within us. You just got to figure out how to activate them again. That, that's it. I think that's, and as with any external chemical thing, it is it's just changing your default settings to something else. Yeah. But it's, it's what meditation does. It's a hip, it's what hypnotism does. It brings you to a different state of mind, right? Mm-hmm. It's speaking of hypnotism. You've seen that skit was where that Peter Powers hypnotized Jason on, was it Hamish and Handy? Anyway, you got to no, see it's on YouTube somewhere. Maybe I, the hypnotized, no. He, he hypnotized Jason and made him believe he was a pop singer. Oh my god! A famous, well, famous I pop singer, and that. then he, he sings his. He said, "We," and the, I think it was Hamish and Andy, but they said, "Will you sing us your new pop song, your new hit?" And Jason just he started oh singing god, some random shit off the top of his head, which to his mind was like the best song in the world. The killer single I've just dropped, and my fans are gonna love it. Oh my god! <clears throat> but again, I mean, that's yeah, fuck, you know, that's that's what that is. I mean, I've done shows with Pete Powers, and I've seen him work, mm-hmm. and that's all he does is um change your default settings and if you're open to it, 
you're not going to win well, it. And you can. That's yeah. it. It's it's being open. It's believing that it's possible. It's believing you can yeah. enjoy your life without alcohol. Is the yeah. first, um, like hurdle to jump over. You know, like if you don't yeah, think that you're going to have a fun weekend without booze, that's a that's a really hard place to to come at sobriety from. <laughs> But if you, if you are aware of all these things that you've built, we've, we've got all the things that we need. We're hardwired for, to live a fulfilling and enjoying and, you know, and have enjoyment in our lives. Um, that's definitely like a step in the right direction. Yeah, 100%. And, um, yeah, you, you can unlock stuff for yourself, man. For sure. Other means, other means you don't have to poison yourself to do it, ultimately. And but hey, what a cool. bloody long overdue catch up this has been and man i i haven't really sat and like reminisced about the good old mtv days for a really long time it's been so nice and and just you know i know that your story i i love your story because it is different it is um and it's what you know the stuff that we touched on is um i think that that's really going to speak to people because it's something you've um, you've done your life sober and that wasn't necessarily anything that you chose. It was chosen for you, but you, you rise to the occasion and you've had such a successful career and, and, and personal life and great relationships as a sober person. So um, I just loved, loved catching up with you. Thank you so Me much. Too. It's really good. And thank you for... Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. But this platform, I really want to say thank you for this because when I... I reached out to you because I saw it and I was like, she's coming stuff that I wanted to say for quite a while. And I couldn't say it to my comedy group. Like I said, I wrote a skit. They didn't get it. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it is, I mean, um, yeah, look, I mean, I did, I'll point you down to it. There's a couple of other people you could probably talk to, like your level of celebrity who are, are non-drinkers. Well, I, look, I'm to. happy to talk about sobriety to anyone that will have the conversation with me because um, it's all about between you and I, you know, we have different circles of influence and I just want to get mm. this message as far and as wide as possible that, um, your sober self is absolutely your best self. It, that's it's that's how simple the message is, really. It is. Yeah. It's a it's a valid way to be, dude. Yeah. Um. And it's and and, and um, for me, I'm just more like, it's not an invalid way to be. That the question why do why but why don't you drink? It is one of those things that I get sick of being asked, and mm-hmm. just I like it. I like a world where I don't drink. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's the response, and you move on. That'd be cool. That would be. Nice. It's a day to day thing, but. Day-to-day thing is, day-to-day stuff is important. Well, so, I've always said, yeah. like, I can't wait for the day that the person who, like, if you're hanging out socially with friends and somebody goes to the bar and gets a drink, that everybody else goes, oh, my God, are you okay? You're drinking. Mm. What's up? Like, yeah, that's yeah. what I want because right now it's the opposite yeah. way around. 100%. Yeah, but it'll yeah, turn, 100%. it'll get there for sure. And I think these chats will cool. help. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Cool. All right, Maz, you look awesome. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Let's um let's reminisce again. What a flipping what a throwback. <laughs> it was. I don't it just stuff came flooding back. <laughs> did we did it. We had we, we filled a fish. We had like the Siamese finding fish. I was like and that's what we filled that's it. Oh we were cut to the fish every now and then. We did we did so the many silly came. things, but so many and, and yeah. as you said before, so many sober things. 
like yeah, all, all that stuff. You're all completely straight. Yeah, you gotta, you can't, you can't not work. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. 100%. All right, buddy. All right, Thank you. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.